This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I'm Jeff Howe. I shouldn't be laughing to start the show, but something Rod and I are talking about before we hit record. Just, uh, it's one of those wow. deals. I'm not going to talk about it. It's something that it's not funny. It's not funny. But it's funny. Yep. That's why we can't talk about it. We'll be canceled. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is game week. So yay for us. Yay for everybody. <laughs> We made it to the opener, Texas and ULM. And guys, I don't know if you've done your ULM prep like I have, but it's Tuesday and I don't feel like I got to do anything else. That's going to be the kind of opener it is yeah. for the Longhorns. Uh, I think Sark hit the nail on the head, guys, on Monday when he said, talked about ULM and Terry Bowden, respect for the program. He said, but at the end of the day, you know, this is about us. It is. We'll, we'll discuss the nature of the opener. Uh, um, let me bring in the first off, before I bring in the rest of the team, wherever you're listening, however you're listening. Thank you so much for your continued support of what we're doing here on Longhorn Blitz. Uh, a decade and going strong with this podcast. Always appreciate the uh, the feedback we get, good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, a couple of ways to hit us up. At Longhorn underscore Blitz is the correct official Longhorn Blitz Twitter account. I know that's going to look dumb when you go to my Twitter profile and still see the old account there. I need to change it. But... At Longhorn underscore Blitz on Twitter. Also, long, at a Longhorn Blitz pod at gmail.com if you want to send. Do the old-fashioned nice. thing. Send us an email wow. if uh, you want to give us props, share some info, air grievances, whatever you want. The email inbox is there for it. Festivist uh, style. Also, <laughs> get your, uh, thank you for picking up on that, Matt. Uh, get this podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Search Horns 24-7. That's Horns247, no dashes, no slashes, no spaces. Click that follow button. Get every episode of The Blitz when it drops on Tuesday. You can also hear it uh, weeknights. Uh, I know, I believe the first airing is going to be Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, the Encore presentation after Longhorn Weekly with Steve Sarkeesian, 8 o'clock on Thursdays if you're in the Austin area listening on The Horn. That's uh, 104.9 FM, 101.9 FM, AM 1260, streaming on The Horn app and at hornfm.com. Horn app, you're going to need it. That's probably the best place if you want to hear the radio call for Longhorn football. Mm-hmm. Horn app is probably going to be the best place to get it, at least the simplest way. And there, if you go to my Twitter feed, at JeffHow247, there's a walkthrough on how to get Longhorn football games on the Horn app. I get asked that a lot, and <laughs> thank you to the staff at the Horn for making a walkthrough video so I no longer have to. All right. <laughs> Quit beating around the bush. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drive machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about you? Fine, and I function uh, pretty well when I get more than, like, four hours of sleep. Like, I think I got a full nice. eight last night, so I'm just ready to kick the world right in the tenders today. <laughs> I'm just 
<laughs> rock and roll and raring to go. Uh, man who's always rock and roll and ready to go. Uh, never kicked anybody in the tenders on the gridiron, but he did uh, perfect the windpipe chop, or at least he had that in his Batman utility belt. Uh, did you ever use it in a game, Rod? No. Just had a, just had a holster. Yeah, it was taught. No. Breaking case of emergency. It. I was always scared. I was always scared <laughs> I'd be. I, it would work. Man, I was watching a preseason game, and there was an old lineman that got called for illegal hands to the face, and immediately the analyst pointed out, he's like, no, he hit him right in the neck. And I was like, that's a windpipe chop. He's a windpipe chop. If that works, that guy goes down to his knees holding his neck. Like, everybody's going to be looking at me. Like, oh, Is it one of those deals like like when you see, you're watching like a documentary or something on how somebody robs a bank, and you're like, that's good information, but I would never put that into practice. Yeah, I was like, I'm not, I never used it. I could have used it plenty of times, but no, uh, I, I, I avoid that. I didn't want it done to me, kind of golden rule thing. Uh, that's why Rod <laughs> yeah. Babers is a, is a stand-up man and a man of good character. Uh, he wears many hats, including co-hosting Ball Don't Lie on the Horn from 3 to 7 each and every weekday with Mike Harge. But for the purposes of this podcast, he is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas in the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program. Number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Appreciate the intro, brother, as always. All right, let's get to game week. We'll have we'll have some ULM chat chatter down the road. Uh, we'll we'll have some. Trust me. <laughs> as I told Craig Way on Light the Tower this morning, uh, when we talk about ULM, not a lot of meat on that bone. They just haven't been a good football program. It's like when we get to Alabama, yeah. when, when Alabama prep is like mm-hmm. um, the big turkey leg you get at the state fair, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of meat on that bone. Yeah, it takes you a while. You got to walk around for about a couple hours before you finish that damn thing. ULM's like the gas station chicken wing that's been sitting there all day. Mm -hmm. That kind of might have shriveled up in the fryer a little bit. I don't even. I don't eat anything from a gas station. Just not a lot. I've not eaten something hot from a gas station in in. I don't think I've ever done it. Honestly. I don't. I haven't. <laughs> I think there was a it. Simpsons episode that I, ended that for me. <laughs> I want to say uh, it's been a while. It's been a long, long time. Uh. I'll, I'll, I'll get gas station food on the Texas Tech trip. Stop at the Allsup's in Coleman. Get the Allsup's burrito. Man, you are a brave man. The Allsup's burrito. You're a brave uh, man. You know what? Uh, because this this might be my last trip to Texas Tech for a football game. Oh yeah, you're right. That's true. Um, good point. That's a good point. I. You know what? I I, I like Joey McGuire, and I'm, it's the Big Twelve mm-hmm. opener, and. Oh, but I'm, I might turn the Texas Tech Week episode of Longhorn Blitz into an hour-long documentary on the greatness that is the Allsup's burrito. Ugh. Tempted to do it. Wow. So is this How like one is of the restaurants that are attached to a gas station, or is this just? Oh, no, it's Allsup's is a gas station chain. They just serve wow. burritos. That, I don't go. know, man. straight up gas station. What they put in those burritos? <laughs> you man, thought you thought it was going to be a restaurant? Yeah, yeah, right. The truck nah, stop style. Yeah, yeah, they got some places yeah. like that no. that are okay. Yeah, exactly. Well, Allsup's burritos, man. Those places are okay to me. Something about them, man. Oh no, I can't do that. You're not a gas station food connoisseur at all, Rod. Dude, I like won't even eat. Like, I, do I haven't eaten fast food? If you don't, if I don't count Chick Fil A as fast food, I haven't eaten fast food in like a decade. Like even like in a pinch, like <laughs> I may, I may have had fries from a McDonald's like on a trip somewhere because I've there had was nothing else around. Um, but other than that, dude, I don't eat fast food. So if like, like you're <laughs> if you're on the road, like I stopped if, that years ago. Like, like if I also don't smoke cigarettes yep, <laughs> every day because I little I'm not, you know there, there are a few things I, I do that obviously I engage in that's a little self destructive. The truth is, dude, fast food is like smoking cigarettes. It's like drinking soda water and drinking all the time. It really is. Like, it, I made it, myself it's, 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 it's great if you like it, but like, hey, I like to do other things, so I can't uh, eat fast food, okay. do the stuff that I do also because I can't. I'm gonna kill myself. Yep. So I had to give up some things so that I could enjoy other things. We all have and our fast vices. Food was you what just, I gave up. You, know you I mean? just choose to not make fast food one of your vices. Yeah, I can't do fast food. By age thirty, I gave up basically yeah. cigarettes and fast food. Exactly. Exactly. I gave up cigarettes too. Cigarette. I gave up cigarettes. I, I never smoked cigarettes, food. but Rod, I did. Yeah. Uh, in my partying days, I did smoke something that uh, when you were with the Lions, that your offensive line coach with the Lions preferred to smoke. From time oh, those Black and Miles? <laughs> I was a big fan of the Black and Miles. I Black and Miles, too. Did I you s- inhale Black and Miles? Nah, you ain't supposed to. I mean, they're cheap cigars. You can, but you ain't supposed yeah. to. Just making big difference. But guys do. I mean, I knew guys that yeah, were. I, I yeah, mean, they, they, yeah, they. I smoke, smoke it. Like I a smoke cigar. it. Yeah, so like, I, I used to. No, I, I was. I used to smoke anything that you. Yeah, seriously, I used to smoke. I used to smoke. I was a smoker. Yeah. Like I literally was a. I was classified as a smoker. Like I would smoke. 
I would go breaks and smoke during the shows. Yeah, I remember. Like, I would do Mad Men shows and smoke on air when I was outside doing the remote. I'd do a Don Draper style. Yep. I'd smoke on air I during remember. the show. You know what I mean? So I was a real smoker. So that's why I said I gave up smoking and I gave up fast food so I could live a little bit longer because I, you know, I was planning on having kids and all that kind of like crap. Like you see those old, uh, <laughs> you know, like the old, like the Walter Cronkite newsroom clips. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's dudes in the back just burning, just he- burning. burning heaters. Dude, the doctor, doctor <laughs> telling people they got cancer while he's burning yep, the heater. Yep. You know what? We're gonna beat this thing. We're like, what the hell? You're smoking a heater. Like back in the day, everybody smoked, smoked those football sidelines. Hell, Coach Tom yep. Nolan, when I first got to uh, Houston Lamar, he was smoking cigarettes on cigarette the sidelines. Ripping a lung dart under the bleachers. Right there. My dad would do while we were literally <laughs> doing great. Pony League baseball, walk yeah. outside the fence and smoke and then it's, come back inside yeah. the fence. And Tom Nolan started going under the bleachers. I think it became like go. a thing. So you go under the bleachers and he have a smoke break and he come right back on the sideline. Uh, so, yeah. I don't know. That's why I love doing this podcast with you guys. We started talking about Texas football. We went from all sorts of burritos to some chain smoking. So well, we talk about it. vices, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get to oh that's how I was talking about I was talking about meat on the bone with ULM prep we'll get to mm-hmm. that but let, let's talk about Texas um either one of you guys have thoughts on Sark not releasing a depth chart that that's a big topic of conversation mm-hmm. and look I it's similar <laughs> to what we talked about last week with like practice access just file it under things that I don't like it like would I prefer to have a depth chart hell yeah I'd prefer to have a depth chart give us something tangible to talk about uh I don't like it but I understand. Why Sark does it now? Why, okay, so that's, okay, so so why does give it give that to me then? Because everybody keeps saying they understand why, and I I want to ask them why. I want I need to know why. Because last year you got a depth chart, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I need to know what he learned in the offseason that gives him that made this a better decision for the team overall rather than not. Because because if you say well it doesn't matter, and it's like well if it doesn't matter, release one. Yeah. You, can, you can argue it doesn't matter. Right. It's like, well, it doesn't matter. That's why I didn't release it. Well, if it doesn't matter, then why won't you release it? So don't give me the it doesn't matter. Throw that argument out because yeah. that is a stupid argument that can be argued on both mm-hmm. sides. It doesn't matter. Well, if it doesn't matter, release one. So, But I'm not saying he needs to. Right. I know there are coaches that don't do it. Uh, you know, Kirby Smart doesn't release one. Yeah. I'm not sure if Lincoln Raleigh does it. Uh, he didn't. Yeah, so Ohio that, State didn't do it. Right. They didn't do one. Yeah. Jimbo Fisher, I don't think so it's So maybe it's a new age thing. All yeah. right. So if it's a new More age thing. More coaches don't do say, it say, just from doing fantasy And maybe he'll just say that he, you know, hey, I learned that it's it's a new new age thing. I learned in off season it's something that didn't give you an advantage. So why release it? If it doesn't and give I've me an advantage, it. then I'm not gonna release it. Does it put me at a disadvantage? I don't know. But I'm definitely if, if it does give me an advantage, then I'm not gonna do it. And I think maybe that's the decision. But I would love for the media to ask him. That's exactly what. Why. Uh, that's but why. Is, I don't care about that. He's not releasing one. Yeah. I do want to know why though. You changed your mind. I think. Uh, well, that's I think I, I think something we else we talked about last week kind of goes hand in hand with that. Uh-huh. Um, first off. I think, Rod, it might just be the simple explanation because, like with, you know, the media's practice access and everything else, he's just not releasing one because he can get away with not releasing one. Yeah, so there's no there's no rule there's no rule in college football that says a head coach has to release a depth chart. So well, I, 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 or I, I at I'm least with you. an accurate depth chart. Until, until we get also, a, you right. put the or in there, I'd just be good. Yeah, and or and or everywhere. And like, well, you just release a damn roster. It just says and or all over the damn. And right. I, I mean, I just listened to <laughs> Mac Brown's last week for daily fantasy research, and a lot of the time people are accurate. Sometimes yeah. coaches, most of the time, I've learned aren't accurate. They don't even care about it or. Then, like you said, Mac Brown lists five running backs, and these freshmen will play in this. Which he didn't always do, because when yep. I was on campus, we didn't do that. Yeah, when I was and on campus, it was old school. It was like also you to won play the job, you got the depth chart, you're first. It literally meant something. Yeah, now, I know these days it don't mean a damn thing. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like I'm from the old school where it meant something, so you won a depth chart, like it was released. To the guys in the locker room, release everybody. Mm-hmm. Send it to your mom and dad. Look, mom, told you I was gonna be number one depth chart. Oh, baby, so proud. The scene of the, the program where Latimer makes starting defense and starts putting his head through car windows. <laughs> was, yeah, you remember back in the day, even in high school race, right? It Place at the table. The depth chart meant something. So I get it right now. It doesn't mean anything, and it's you know it's irrelevant. I get that. What I want, what I what I am paying attention to is the evolution of Steve Sarkeesian as a coach. So I want to know is Sark. I want you to give me the why. Why did you evolve into it? And I'm not judging you at all. I just want to know. For my own records, because I, as a football analyst of Texas football, want to know, okay, so what what, what transformation did the coach go through in the offseason? What did you study? Who did you study? Oh, did you decide to do it? Who convinced you to do it? Did Gary Patterson come in and say, that's stupid. Don't release the depth chart. And so, it does. You know what I mean? Like, what? I, I, I want to know the story. That's what I want to Those know. Those have been now. the questions I've tried to ask Sark. Like, yeah. I, you know, we all get caught up in, like, with the offensive line. 
Well, we like big humans. We want big humans. So when I had the opportunity to ask him at coaching school, I asked him, like, why? Why? You know, there's no, Rob, there's no wrong way to no. build a good offensive line. No, of like, you know, you've been friends with the Shanahan family for a long time. Mike Shanahan won two Super Bowls with one of the smallest offensive lines in the league. But mm-hmm. why? But it worked for the Broncos for what they wanted exactly. to do. Uh, and people, everybody's trying to replicate what the Cowboys were at the time with these big mammoth offensive lines. The Broncos kind of zigged when everybody else zagged. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't always work. But it worked for them. So, uh, all that said, that that's I, I just lost my train of thought. But that to no, your, but to you your asked point, about, I remember yeah. that, that question. You asked I, about I like, why? And he went back to his time in the NFL. Yeah, he's yeah. like the Falcons. Like, we had, got bullied. The Falcons had the smallest <laughs> offensive line yeah. in the NFL. It's like and when we play the Eagles or the Ravens or teams with these big mammoth, yeah. odd fronts, we, we get pushed we get, around. Yeah, and, and he, we get bullied. And he's like, you know what? I want to play bully ball instead of getting bullied. I'm going to play bully ball. But yeah. that's why I asked him in the press conference on Monday. And I'm not tooting my own horn here, but to your point, I, I'm kind of with you, Rod. Like, I, I can see the what. Like, the what is in front of us. Everybody yeah. can see that. I want to know the why mm-hmm. and the how. Just like that's why I asked him at the press conference, like, hey, have you always been a believer in, in coverage over pressure or cover, better coverage generates better pressure? Or did you research something? I told like, y'all that. I told y'all what he answered the question, which answered my question and basically proved me right. He don't have no faith in that D line. He basically said that. Yeah. He's like, man, he said, he basically said, and I, I'm just, like I said, I'm paraphrasing, you expect me to. Did you look at that pile of crap out there? Like, basically, that's what he said. Did you, yeah. you expect me to believe in that D line yeah. when I didn't add any personnel to it? We didn't do anything. We just sprinkled fairy dust on it, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden, the D line is going to change overnight. Yeah, if Keandre Coburn is, you know, I mean, if you listen to him, well, hell yeah, they're all going to be Aaron Donald when they go out there. <laughs> but we know that's not true. Right. All right. So he said, you know, what can I control? All right. I can't control the pressure. I can't get pass rush because I can't bring in new personnel, and I can't uh, give these guys enough Red Bull to make them grow wings overnight. So what he decide to do in the old chicken or the egg theory you know what i'm going with the egg all right he said you know what i'm gonna go with coverage i'm gonna go with coverage i can change up coverage i can go with ryan watts i can go with jaday baron i can move anthony cook i can move keaton crawford i can move i can change six or seven guys in the back seven and improve coverage that way but there's nothing really i can do mm-hmm. other than pray and go to church all right and hope that god is going to help these guys on the on the defensive line develop even though bo davis is the best coach in the history of defensive line coaches all right. That's what you need. You need that group to evolve and develop. And he, I think he's saying I can't really build my defensive identity on guaranteeing that that group is going to create pressure, even yeah. though I got a really good D-line coach. I, I have a better I have better odds and I have a better chance of success if I change a lot of the guys in the back seven where they change like five or six of those guys in the back mm-hmm. seven or change positions. And then those guys will be better coverage defenders. Quarterback will hold the ball for a little bit longer. And then hopefully – That'll end up increasing the pressure or the amount that you affect the quarter, the opposing yep. quarterback. And so he, I told you that. Do I told you that? I was like, he has no faith. He's that's smart. I'm glad uh-huh. he. I'm glad he looked at it that way. He's got no Aaron Donald. He was mocking himself. He was yep. mocking the whole thing. He was mocking the yeah. whole concept, saying, "I ain't got Aaron Donald up there." He was basically saying, "Do I ain't? I, I got nothing up there that I can believe in and have faith in. I can't build." right defensive game plan around that front seven. I may be able to build it around coverage in the back end if these guys show up in the back seven. Or at least right there what you're saying I think explains a lot of the reason why there isn't, say, a depth chart also. Now, I think on offense he could have put one out there. It's real simple and easy, and it'd be good at quick explanation, but the idea, like Jeff said, it can be secretive. But when you're on the back end and you're talking about six or seven guys that are playing in different positions that also playing more of a positionless aspect possibly, and same on the front. We talked all offseason. It was going to be some type of platooning aspect on the defensive line front. You can go and print it out and sort of put what you think is going to be out there. But it not only would be given information possibly to the opponent, but I think it also, and Sark's mind saw it, Texas last year, it can grow up, uh, b- become a bigger story than it needs to be. He's like, I don't know, and I don't need to tier these guys. It depends on who plays on the field. I bet we're probably going to see maybe a depth chart after week one or whenever, you know, the cream rises to the top and the best players mm. are there. But I really don't even think he knows in his mind on, you know, game day, like he talked about whenever you turn the lights on, we haven't seen these guys. And there's a meritocracy here in looking at practice performance. And once you get there, and I wouldn't be surprised if one comes out when it's undeniable. But right now, I really think he might not even know. No, I, I'm I'm with Rod. I just think it's just the new age. You know, coaches oh, yeah, want sure. to control as much as they can control, and yeah. they're losing control of a lot of stuff. And as, as trivial as it might sound, yep. 
releasing a depth chart to the public is something they have control over. It is. It so is. they're 100%. gonna. And I'm not blaming Sark. I'm saying, like, no. like I said, Lincoln Riley, Jimbo Fisher, Ryan Day, Dan Lanning, Kirby Smart. A lot of coaches are starting to do it. That's something they have control over. At the end of the day, what are college football co- coaches? They are control freaks. They are. And in the era of name, image, and likeness, they have less control now than they have ever had at any point in the history of the sport. Yep. So whatever they can control, again, as trivial as it might seem, Mm -hmm. they're going to control it. Players got more power. So so I'm with you, Rod. I think it's more of – I don't think it's a secretive nature. And, Matt, I hear what you're saying, but – Honest, and I'm not yeah, picking on you. All of the I'm not picking on you when I say this, Matt. I think if if you think if anybody thinks that Sark and don't this is where I, you don't need to confuse the two. Don't confuse Sark not releasing a depth chart for public consumption with the fact that there's not an internal depth chart, and you think five days from the opener that guys don't know where they stand. Oh yeah, he knows no, who he trusts. Knows. In other words, yeah. know by getting reps and practice. If you're the yeah, if you're the right. number if you're the number four if you're the number four weak side linebacker. You know you're the number four weeks on linebacker. You don't need a public depth chart. And, every, all the, yeah. and know all the players too. know that, so but, it isn't a personal slight to them if there's But no, I will say, going back to something you, you brought up, Jeff, that I think adds a little credence to what Matt's talking about, or at least it's, uh, it's you know, at least in the same vein. Um, and I agree with you. Remember, you said it's going to be a lot of volatility and movement. Yep. There, yeah, there is. This year, probably more than they've had in a long time. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe Sark agrees with you and is mm-hmm. saying, listen, I don't want to be answering I'm depth not gonna grant a job every damn week. Every yep. damn week, y'all gonna be like, "Well, coach, initially he was you listed. had this guy number two, and then you and then the third guy played more than number two. Can we? Uh, if, if if I just don't release one, you guys will forget all about it, and you guys will start paying attention to who plays. Yep. And that's the questions I'll get. I won't get the depth chart questions about, oh, has this guy surpassed this guy on the depth chart? Mm-hmm. Has this guy surpassed that guy? So maybe he anticipates. That's like you said. A bunch of movement yeah. from week one to like week, especially with the young guys, right? All that turnover, all them freshmen to week like five or six. And yeah. it's like, I don't want to be answering questions every damn week about the depth chart. Oh, and this guy played more than this guy. And oh, coach, you said this guy actually was third. And now he seems like he's started. Like, you know what? Just watch the damn And game. we were already so, programmed that way with yeah. Jake Smith backing up so Duvernay it, it or whatever. It could be a little you know? bit of, of all that, right? I we see. Just like, oh, you know yeah. what? You know yeah. what? Yeah, I don't want to answer questions about because that's point. Especially on the O line, especially on the D line. Hell, we don't know how the D the DBs are gonna look. You can see yeah. a lot of movement. He's like, I don't want to have to release one every week. And coach, like, well, coach, what what <laughs> happened? Why did you why did you uh, move this guy down to number three and this guy to number one and number two? What? And he's like, you know, you what? have you have uh, uh, snap counts. Oh God. You know what I mean? You had Devin Richardson ahead of Jet Bush, but Jet Bush played fourteen snaps against ULM, and Devin yeah. Richardson only played seven. What's your so? What's your mindset there, coach? And it's like, okay, you know what, guys, are we gonna play? I, we gonna I see. Play? So if I think, we're gonna you know, dept it out that way, then yeah, the guy you know, who had more is and this goes back to this goes back to something else we we talked about too uh, during the off season, during the summer. You know, it's it's gonna vary. There is roster volatility because you did have so much turnover. Number one, mm-hmm. but number two, and this is my hope. Rod, we talked about this when we talk about money balling the defensive line. I hope based on the opponent. That the snap counts are different. Oh yeah, okay. like against Texas Tech, I want Byron Murphy getting more snaps than Keandre Coburn. I think I might want that all the time. <laughs> but no, but I, you see what I'm saying, though, right? I don't think I need that just against Tech. I think that's yep. every. But you, but you <laughs> see what I'm saying, right? I said, like, no, no, I get you, like I want Coburn and Sweat playing fewer snaps. They should be a based team yeah. this year. Honestly, even on offense and defense, I should not. It would have been more smart. if Isaiah Nayor didn't get hurt. I think it would have been more matchup based. But I think now you're a little bit more limited hmm. on offense yeah. than you could do. But I agree with you. I think because. You know, I love your term. You know, you got hybrid spread schemes that you deal with in the Big 12. Man, you're going to, you know, sometimes you're going to face air raid. The guys who want to spread it out, sometimes you're going to face Iowa State that's going to throw 13 personnel at you. Then you're going to face K-State is going to throw some 20, 21 personnel at you. And then, like, West Virginia, like, we oh, know Neil, Neil Brown wants to play with fullbacks and H-backs. But now Graham Harrell's his OC, so... I don't know what the hell West Virginia's offense is going to look like. That's a like. great point. I have no idea either. I'm assuming Graham Harrell because Neil Brown's tried it his way. He's going to be like, Graham, just take it, man. Yeah. Probably going to be more air raid. Probably more air raid. And uh, you got a guy that's familiar with what he wants to do in JT Daniels exactly. anyway. Exactly. So. Yeah. Might as well go with it. But, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think you're right about that. I, that's you know that's why it's another reason why defensively, especially now with Gary Patterson, you who knows the conference yeah. as well as anybody, you may get that matchup-based weekly lineup or depth chart depending on what style of play you got to go up against. Well, and you know, I wouldn't mind that. 
for this situation, like when we had the open practice, my sole objective when I got there was selfishly thinking about for daily fantasy. But I knew that you can't trust modern depth charts of coaches and that you might not even That's get one. True. So all I did was write down every formation that I saw and every single time that, okay, you got a 12th. Well, you're using Billingsley and Sanders and the two wide receivers. It's like worthy yeah. and it's Whittington. It's not going to be somebody else whenever you're going to go yeah. into 11 personnel. At the time, it was Brennan Thompson or Savion Red going in for Sanders and Billingsley was staying out. But then they started to run with the twos and it flipped around. So, like, you can find different formations in different groups where we've gotten enough intel to get a good idea. I like that. Yeah, I just, you know, there's – I mentioned this on Light the Tower. I will find something as a member of the – I guess even online, I'm more traditional media now than I guess I'd probably claim to be. Uh, I'll find something in the traditional media sphere. I'll find a hill to die on at some point, uh, which honestly, since I've been on the beat, I have had conversations with some people in Texas where I have died on some hills, but that's <laughs> a conversation for another day. Um, but a depth chart not being released rods, not that's not that hill I'm willing to die no, it's on. A, this is a new age thing. You got you just named off a bunch of coaches. I mean, Lincoln Riley, Kirby Smart. Younger guys. Yeah, it seems to be a younger guy thing. I mean, Nick Saban still releases one. So it's a it, like I said, I, I don't know if it gives you an advantage, but I, like I said, I don't know if it gives you an advantage or a disadvantage either way. Um, yeah. I just think for him, and like you just said, he wants to be able to control more of the message and control really anything. Control the controllables, as Tom Herman used to say. And this is one of those things. Yeah. So I'm not upset with it. Um, I do want to get to a couple of things uh, from the player availability. And mm. let's get the offense first because, I, Matt, I know you've got the, the numbers that you want to get to, and that's going to tie into defense, and I want to make sure we've got time for that on the back end, so I want to save that. But with the offense, <laughs> no depth chart, but we were talking to B. John Robinson, and he said he was asked about the true freshman offensive lineman. He said, well, the two that we've got starting right now are pretty good. And he confirmed that, yeah, it's Kelvin Banks at left tackle and Cole Hudson at right guard. So if you're filling out your mock depth chart, you are pretty much got the offensive line figured out at this point. Yeah. Um, but talking to Bijan, and Rod, I know you and Harge had him on Ball Don't Lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to know something about the team, just go ask Five, and Five will give you a pretty good explanation of what's going on. Like, Sark isn't going to give anything away. Man. He's sharp, man. B- Bijan will give you yeah. some stuff. Yeah, I-, I asked him about – you know, specifically the Isaiah Nayer injury, and did that kind of change his sense of urgency at wide receiver oh, that's to question. kind of expand his game? And he said even before then, but since then more so, he said he's actually worked at the slot and has learned has learned the mechanics of the slot receiver position in this offense. And, Matt, I know you brought up the PFF numbers, and I went and looked at them, and I did my Bijan breakdown on the site. So you go to Horns 24-7, you can find that. I, did I will that, like, give you problems. You said when Bijan was being recruited. Yeah. He was like, he could play the H, H, which was basically what Devin DuVernay played and what Jake Smith played. He was like, he can play the H. He could And he would, I mean, at Lily starting there, and he would be one of the best in the conference. Great the hands. Uh, <laughs> over, as, we, as we talked about, over 18 yards of catch against man coverage. Last year, uh, and, and I think, look, if you've got and Sark has talked about it. Look, even even though he loves Xavier Worthy, and we all know what a healthy Jordan Whittington can do. Knock on wood, uh, and <laughs> knock on wood, what we what we've seen a healthy Tariq Milton do in his career. That's a lot of what ifs, and I don't think Sark is leaving anything to chance. So if you've got a a depth deficiency at receiver, what do you do? Take your best offensive player and put him at that position. It's and play your deepest position. It's not yeah. More of those guys on the field. It's almost <laughs> like it's weird to say, but it's almost like the old NCAA video game where if you got to the point where like okay, I got receivers hurt. You know what? I want to put Selvin Young at wide receiver because I think he would just be that good there. And and it works, and your offense goes. It gets it's weird to think about it in those simple terms, but it really is. And and what Sark said in the press conference soon again, take press conference quotes with, for what they are. But you mm-hmm. tie what Bijan said with what Sark said because he was asked. I think Bob Ballou from CBS Austin asked him the question like, "What does Bijan do to take the next step, get to the next level?" Oh, I remember this question. And Sark said that's on the staff largely to so, utilize him that yeah. way. And his exact quote was, "He can't be a stationary target." It can't just be student body right, student body left, hand five the football. Like you've got to, like we talked about, you've got to hide him. You've got to move him around. You got to do different things. And if he's in the slot, and that gives Roshan Johnson or Keelan Robinson or even Jonathan Brooks some more reps, then yeah, as you said, Rod, you've got one of the deepest and most talented running back rooms in the country. Use it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they will. I think Sark's trying to be coy about it, and I, I don't. I think he's probably upset with me, honestly, for. 
yelling about it, but sorry, I was yelling about two tailback sets before you got here, bro. Like yeah. I, I, I was yelling about them hiring Brendan Marion before you got here. So I, I, I apologize. It was for a problem with the last guy yelling so. and screaming about it because yeah. you probably want to use it, it more this year. One of the things year. that comes with Texas <laughs> <It was> residual. <laughs> saying, like he probably was like, you know, damn it, man, don't be talking about it that much because I think you're gonna see. A lot of it this year, there are two tailbacks, especially with the Isaiah Nayor injury. Yeah. And just makes sense with Brendan Marion coming. He's bringing the go-go offense, which is a two-tailback set. Triple option run game with a West Coast passing game. And Sark also has a West Coast passing game. So they actually are compatible, those two offenses, when you look at the passing game. And you start looking at – and actually, I was uh, – doing some research in the NFL, studying the Packers. The Packers are doing something very similar. I've said if you if you want to look at philosophically what hmm. offense in the NFL is like this, most, yeah. you know, basically is, is most similar. Yeah. All right, commonalities to Sarks, it's probably Matt LaFleur's offense with yep. Green Bay. Um, and I'll spare you. I won't go into Jamal it, but Williams we ain't got a lot of time that for that. Guy. But, uh, yeah, exactly, right? And people were mad at Matt LaFleur because he was stockpiling running backs, right? Mm-hmm. He's, he gave Aaron Jones a big contract. Yep. And also had— Now they like, got to replace Devontae Adams. A.J. Dillon, Dillon. Really, they drafted Dillon with a second round. Yep. Like, around that same time, people were like, what the hell is he doing? You yep. don't draft a wide receiver for, uh, for Aaron Rodgers when he's drafting running backs. And I, I'm not saying I agree with that or disagree. But now they lost Devontae Adams, who's gone to Las Vegas, and they lost uh, Scantling. Well, yep. Mar- 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 Marvisville does uh, Scantling. Scantling. Yeah, yeah. They, they lost him too. So they got a lot of like young wide receivers, unproven commodities. And one of the things Aaron Rodgers recently said, he was like, oh man, our running backs can mm-hmm. actually catch the ball really well. He said, I expect both of them to catch 50 balls this year. Mm-hmm. So I expect both A.J. Dillon, and, which is not crazy because actually Aaron Jones, I want to say they both, exactly, they both were around like 30 something catches or something like that anyway. So it's not that crazy when you think about the amount of touches or targets that Devontae Adams had. And you're like, well, okay, we're going to take a third of those and we're going to distribute those between you two running backs or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And you'd easily get to 50. I I think Sark, I hope Sark is, he says he studies the NFL a ton and he loves the Shanahan tree, which he's talked about, obviously came behind the Shanahan tree with the Falcons, loved Sean McVay, went to visit Sean McVay. Uh, he talks about the, so I, I assume Matt LaFleur also is in that, you know, category of coaches he loves, mm-hmm. he should go study what Matt LaFleur's doing because Matt LaFleur also and Aaron Rodgers both said those guys are going to be on the field together this year a ton. They ran some two tailback sets last season and a couple of seasons ago. But, yeah, most like Texas, like, you know, 4 or 5% of those plays were two tailback sets. This year, watch Green Bay up that usage to double-digit percentage, and I think Texas will do the same thing. And you'll see, I think, them be a lot more effective in the passing game because our defenses are automatically programmed to think run Yep. Run when you have two tailbacks on the field, especially an A.J. Dillon, mm-hmm. big bodies like that, or you're in 21 personnel. They think run, run, run. But if you come out past, yep. you know, I mean, you probably got a favorable mismatch somewhere, and that's how Sark's going to get them. same with, with not only two back sets, but two tight end sets can do the same thing because <laughs> Texas, for the first time, has two threats possibly. But unproven commodities, though. Yes. My point about the yeah, tailbacks yeah. is you build your offense around proving commodities. That's the identity, 100%. right? So your identity would be Bijan, Rojo, X-Man. It was going to be Bijan, Rojo, X-Man, Nayor, yep. right? Giving the defense a mathematical equation they could not solve. That's yep. not the case anymore because you lost Isaiah Nayor. Yep. So you build around. You can't be. I would, I'm with you. You got talent yeah, yeah. at tight end, but they're not proving commodities. They're not no, building no, no. an offense around those guys. It's just they're, how you they're complementary. They're complementary pieces. And it's an yeah. idea that when you brought up bringing up the look, changing the way the defense views it, that's just another yeah. example of the look. But I agree with you fully because, like, what Jeff brought up with Bijan, and when Bijan against man, you know, the 19, but when you uh, per uh, reception, but when you look at him. Lined up in the backfield against man, Ooh. 26 yards. Uh, and that's where he's even more valuable because what happens? It changes who's covering yeah, you. Yeah, linebackers go yes, cover. There you go. <laughs> so that's why yeah. Bijan averages 26 per yep. reception when he's lined up in the backfield. Great point. When you split him out to the slot or wide, which he's working at, obviously that per reception number comes down more and par with it. you got a DB on him. Yeah. So it just shows how good of a matchup he can be Great when you point. can have the show a true Running back back there, and sometimes that may come in other sets where you have, like, say, 12 or you have your traditional two backs and two wide receivers. I love that. Stuff. Rod, it's you've fun. had the uh, – you, you've got all the numbers on two tailback sets and two back sets and how successful Texas was in it last year. Uh, and you talk about just if you increase – not increase exponentially, but just increase slightly. Oh, just get to double digits because you're uh, sitting digits now. Get to I double got, digits. There's no, there's no good way to find this in college. Nobody's done that yet. But the NFL average for 21 personnel last year doesn't break it down if it was tailback, fullback, two tailbacks, whatever. But mm-hmm. basically the NFL average usage 
of 20 personnel last year was about 7%. Exactly. And, hell, I think most of that's Shanahan. Yep. <laughs> we, we know that. because yeah, like, San, you know, San, uh, San Francisco I mean, led the league 34%. Yeah. Yeah, uh, a third of their plays, not, yeah, exactly. not one out of every 14. And, and, and I know they use a what they call traditional fullback. We know Ushek's not a traditional fullback. Nope, so he's basically using two tailbacks, yeah. too. They, just say they that. don't carry and, a fullback because Jeff Wilson's a traditional running exactly. back. And to your point, uh, they actually, Matt, use, use Ushek like a tight end. Sometimes they just yep. go 12. Yeah, and they have the you know the back in the backfield too. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you, and that's why it's also good because and Nick Saban just talked about this. Oh, I got to grab that Nick Saban. Uh, it was on. Uh, I forget the show it was on. I just I just heard the clip, and I can go grab it for you guys or send it to you. But Nick Saban was just recently asked about two tailback sets, and he mm-hmm. said, "Oh yeah, we're starting to see it more and more." And what stresses him out about it? He said it almost works like a triple option run game because everybody uses that H back now, that tight end, also in the run game, or they're using their you know the QB. As a you know, I mean, a plus on one Greg in the running McElroy's game. Craig McRoy's show with yes. Craig Cole yes. Kulik. It was on Cole Kulik, yes, yeah. it was. It's, I it, saw it, that. Yeah, go go check it out. Um, and he talks about he's like, yeah, so basically, almost works like triple option run game, and it throws off all of the not the the, the keys of the defense, but also you have different angles now mm-hmm. because you got multiple backs in the backfield. And he didn't say this, but this is what I think. It's almost the the same thing with Lamar Jackson in the NFL. I heard Sean McVay say this one day, and he was like. I hate going against Baltimore, and I hate going up against Lamar Jackson because there's no way for me to replicate that mother, mother blank in uh, practice. in practice. Like I can't do it. Like I can't. Yeah. There's nobody. I can go get somebody to run a four three, but he can't throw like Lamar yeah. Jackson. I'll get somebody to throw like Lamar Jackson, but he can't run like Lamar mm-hmm. Jackson. So I can't replicate that in practice. The only time my guys are gonna see that is real time in the game. No matter yeah. how much film they watch, you can't get used to Lamar Jackson's speed until mm-hmm. you're out there. He said. So part of the advantage for Baltimore is. And I, it's going to wear off over time because people yeah. get to see Lamar more and more, right? He said what wears off over time is he said that, you know, that p- people have – they can get you engaged at speed. They can get used mm-hmm. to it and get accustomed to it. He said but the first time you see Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. you, he said there's no way for you to fathom how quick, how fast he is and how good he is at actually playing quarterback. Yeah. But also, can he's the fastest guy on the football field. Think like, of the first times red. we saw Vince Young – and him breaking off his redshirt year, huge runs against Oklahoma, Nebraska, Kansas State, all these different teams because you're seeing somebody that you can't replicate or ever okay, see yeah. again. Exactly. So, so how you go right practice right there. against that? You exactly. Don't. You got to adjust to it and within four quarters and pray to God that your team doesn't get shell-shocked. Uh, you know, Rod, we saw that in the Big 12, the, the two tailback stuff. It's weird. A lot of stuff. And that's the one thing about this conference going away that I really hate because the Big 12 for football innovation, period, has been on the forefront of a lot of stuff. A lot I rem- of stuff. I rem- most of the stuff. <laughs> I remember. I remember <laughs> being at exactly. the at the Angelo Coaching Clinic in 2017 because I was there. Uh, well, Todd Orlando, I think, was doing his lecture there that year. Maybe it was a, I think it was Todd Orlando. I don't mm-hmm. remember. But Lincoln Riley was doing a lecture there, and this was like two weeks after he'd gotten the Oklahoma job. He's already scheduled to speak, so of course everybody's. Oh, what's Lincoln Riley going to talk about? His whole hour long chalk talk and the one hour meeting he had in a meeting room off to the side yeah. was about using two tailback sets. Yeah, because the air raid originally was a two back set offense. Yeah. Most like the West Coast offense originally was a two back set offense. How Mummy talks about it all the time. He say people get obsessed because Mike Leach came in and mm-hmm. distorted the whole damn thing and went 10 personnel. All right, and decided, you know what, I'm gonna go with four wide receivers and, and go look at him. most of his running most of his running backs just little wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Little Wes Welkers in the back. Dorian Henderson. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Little guys like that. So they also catch out of the back really well. But yeah, he's the one that came in and now everybody's perception is, oh man, they spread it all out. No, no, a lot of the air raid tree teams like to go two tailback sets. And I I, I could tell you they uh and Lincoln Riley does it with not the two tailbacks, but a tailback and then that that H back hybrid. He's evolved. Tight. He likes Shannon. That guy. Well, but he started he, he started out. He started out with the two tailback stuff because, okay, when you've got, again, utilizing your weapons, when you've got Joe Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan, two NFL running backs, well, yeah, I'm going to use both these guys. That's just One good coaching. Speech. It seems yeah. like those guys before that. Uh, and, then that, was, yeah. that no, and then it was that was Miller guy that was there. And then it was, I think it was, was Rodney Anderson and Mixon, maybe. Right. I forget the lineage. But really up until even, hell, even the Jalen Hurts offense, Mike Gundy talked about it, he, like getting ready for Oklahoma. He's like, Guys realize what this is, right? Like, this is basically, basically it's triple, triple option, option football. They're just doing it from the shotgun. Yeah, I remember him saying that. I do remember him saying that, that it was triple option football. Because it was, oh, man, yeah. it was Kennedy Brooks and uh, why am I forgetting the other well, OU That's when they started using name. the pistol and people like the other Kaepernick. Back, was it? Well, that, talk about being innovative. Dude, Mike Gundy's right there. 
That's why yeah. Mike Gundy go find people from what Shippensburg, find these OCs. Yep. You know where he got? Uh, yeah, that oh, guy is Shippensburg. What's this guy? Mike Yersich. Back in 2012. And by the way, bring it full circle. Remember when Texas loses, was it Corn Dog? Oklahoma State broke out the two tailback sets on Texas and beat him with it. Because mm-hmm. they had Justice Hill, Chuba Hubbard. Hubbard. They had King. They had like three of them dudes. Yep. They would put two tailback sets against Texas. They would run uh, like a misdirection in the backfield, a lot of split uh, a lot of split flow, and then Texas could not figure out where the ball was going. You want to go corn dog circle? Was running, you want to go running full circle to your dog. Green Bay talk? So, right? So you have to run it back. And that's why I thought Yersh was going to come here and use two tailbacks. Well, and he never did. And go he full circle to your Green Bay. You said that was corn dog. It was Herm Dog was the reason why Mike was unable to. <laughs> the running back that they're replacing in Green Bay now to catch all those passes is Jamal Williams, who was the guy that was going off of with right. all the white Heisman. You're right. Yes, he BYU. Was. I forgot about that. You're right. He was Taysom Hill and and, jo- and, J- and now he's J- in Detroit right now. Yep. Isn't he? Yeah. He's the guy leading all their little jumps right. for Man Campbell. Now, See, we were having, we're having a nice Williams. little podcast, and you got to bring up Provo. Yeah, man. They've been using it against us ever since then. Seriously. Bring it up old-ish, man. Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams. Wow. Still, I still, you know what makes me feel better? They're still balling in the league. Yep. That makes you feel better when you're like, you know what? That wasn't yeah, just some outlier. That, wasn't just, that, dude, that dude is a baller. Yep, all right? They're Taysom still was a out baller. there doing it. Yeah. Rod Swansong is a sideline reporter. Manny Diaz got tarmacked. Wow. Oh, no. I mean, half of it. You're right. That was a lot going on. It goes full circle to where then, on the whole trip. I am not lying. <laughs> Mac Brown did it to Manny. With Javante Williams and the running backs at North Carolina two years ago when he just put up 70 on Manny Diaz in that defense. Oh, yeah, it was Michael, with those two uh, running yeah, backs. Javante Williams and Michael Carter, Manny, two yeah. NFL running backs. You mean Manny no Diaz? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love that It was nickname. Michael Carter that year with Javante no Williams. Diaz. I love people on the message boards that just started spelling it with, like, a space, like a, like a, like the underscore, and then I-A-Z. <laughs> Manny E-S without the D. <laughs> The only man that can be he's insulted so with that man, and not look, mean some, something. Some so Texas fans. What's he doing now? Texas fans. He's a DC at Penn State. Oh, good. Where Mike Yersich is the that. OC. Oh. What the? Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, man, that's full circle. That's scary. Yeah. <laughs> we did not. Trust me, we didn't plan this podcast. out, folks. <laughs> the only reason I know that off the top of my head that is because I'm, I'm like the that. one person left on the James Franklin bandwagon. Oh, yeah, you do my, like my James Franklin a lot. My irrational just love and support for James Franklin. I think James Franklin is like. He to me is he basically Tom he, Herman? He, no, no, no. He's he's a little bit better than Tom Herman. Well, I'll say he's more like Mark Ritt. All right. Like he's just good enough. The guy that Manny yeah. got replaced by Manny yeah, Diaz. Like he, ain't, he ain't never gonna <laughs> we all know James Franklin ain't never gonna win the Big Ten yeah. or win it or make a college football playoff run, but he's good enough not to get fired. Yeah, he's, oh, a, enough, he's a nice fire. guy. Yeah, he's like, how can a I nice find a guy? Tom Herman. He won ten games. I'll tell he's you a guys nice this, Tom like, Herman. When we talk about it, when when I first got into the team site business, higher ups would tell me they're like, you know, like there's two schools. Like you really want to be one, you don't want to be the other. You really don't want to be Georgia. Like you're nine and three every year, like ten and three, nine and four every year. There's no danger of the head coach getting fired. There's nothing. It's just boom, status quo. You're like it's just kind of hovering right here. It's That's like, it. Like you want to be Auburn. Every other year, you're the winner of the national championship, or you're firing the head coach. I totally yeah. agree. Yeah, no, I I, actually, I'm with you on that. No, that's honestly, there's some NFL teams like that, like Philip. The Eagles are like that. Yeah, and the Eagles are like now. Yeah. Every now and then, he's like, "Nah, we are gonna make a run. Let's just do yep. it." We're going, hey, they they're actually getting on the precipice of it right all now. All in or like, <laughs> yeah, they're all yeah. in or nothing. Yeah. And I like that, dude. Like, the 49ers Burn got something. Burn it all down. Shannon and the 49ers got something. The 49ers every yeah. few years they make a run. It was like, all right, then they suck. Oh, he's you know? all in on Lance this year. You don't want to be like. They got that kind I've of I've heard you say this about the NBA, Rod. Like, you, you don't want to be in limbo. You don't want to be no. middle class. Yeah. The middle class in NBA is like, it, it, well, actually, now you're right. Being a middle class of any major pro sports in franchise a sport is period, bad. Yeah, right? it seems like, pretty yeah. bad. Yeah, Astros right knew how to burn it down. There you go. And that's you're right. <laughs> that's James Franklin. I'm sure he works at a, a bank. Uh, <laughs> yes. You know, drives like a Honda Civic and <laughs> makes about, you know. Six sixty-five grand a year is a nice little three-bedroom house in the suburbs. Picks up yeah, his kids that's fine. from school. Exactly, he's just good enough. But I don't. Everybody knows he's never going to win the Big Ten. That's why. That's why I don't. I'm not a big James. That's enough James fan. Franklin slander on this podcast. Sorry for about today. that. No, it's all good. <laughs> um, so that's our little talk, talk about Texas offense. We'll talk about the defense because I did ask Sark the question in the press conference about coverage and pressure and all that stuff. That was a good and, question. And he gave an answer. He gave the answer, Rod, like you said. We talked about it. I just wanted to hear him say. He it. brought up Aaron Donald. That's how you know. 
he was like, man, ain't nothing I can do with that defensive line. That's one of those fool me Aaron once. Donald. I was like, you, did you reference Aaron Donald out of nowhere? That's one of those fool. <laughs> that's one of those fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. Like I bought in this D line last year. I ain't doing it again. <laughs> exactly. No, it's a great point. Yep. Also, I bet that's why he's like, no, nah, man, I'm not doing that again. Yeah, yeah, they do look good. They look good right now, but also they look good to me last year too. Mm-hmm. And Keandre Coburn comes to me and tells me how great they are. They look good against mm-hmm. some bunch of freshmen we got I, rolling I out on the that offensive Coburn line. When he was speaking to the media, he was talking about how good the defense looks and everything. He's like, I know I said this last year. <laughs> <laughs> he stopped himself. And I was like, thank you, Keandre. At least he's some at least self-aware. He's, yes. he's self-aware. He's like, I know I've said this before. Was, yes, we, yes, you have, And Keandre. this is what fans do. It's like, <laughs> I know I sounded like a homer last year, but this year I promise I, you. I respected Kendra so much more. You remember that? He was like, yeah. I know I said this before, God. I know I said this last year. Yeah, we, Kendra, you think this is, I wish we could pull up the footage from last year because these are exactly the words you he used. He isn't trying that. to change the, you know, the image. Or <laughs> but, Speaking uh, of defensive linemen meeting with the media, Moro Ojimo is out of media jail. Oh, good for him. Yeah. Hey, we like keeping it real. Honesty, Keeping it real goes wrong. And Moro gave me one of the better responses that I was hoping to hear on the coverage pressure thing because I asked him, I asked Yond, I asked Snacks, I was like, hey, you know, tying yeah. the front end to the back end, like, well, how is that? How do you feel it's working? And he's like, look, he's like, I, I know we're working on pass stuff. He's like, I have no idea what's going on behind me. He's, he's like, I just know, I just know I need to do my job. And if we don't get to the quarterback, those guys can't cover. They have to cover long. We're going to make their job tougher. But Morrow said the two big adjustments he's seen, he, and Keandre said, he's like, when I talk to those guys, they tell me they're playing man almost every play. And Moro Ojimo said the two differences he's noticed in terms of a pressure coverage combo, he said a lot more man coverage on the back end okay, and a lot more what you would think of our traditional four-man fronts on defense. Uh, Okay, so they're basically trying to set traditional edges. Yes. You know, three-man front, you don't have traditional edges, but they want to make sure we boom, we're setting these And the the thing with the three-man front, look, out-of-front defenses aren't bad. No. They're good. But – if you don't have, like, Alabama or Georgia's talent or you don't have, like, what Texas had in 2017 where you've got Puna Ford. You Ford, Daddy in the, yeah. in the middle. Yeah. If you don't have those guys, they, you, the the idea, Rod, of being able to, like, two-gap along the defensive line and, and, and be able to do it, okay, that's fine. Go look at an Alabama defense, maybe like Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. Yeah, those guys can do whatever you want them to do. It yeah. doesn't, doesn't really matter. You, you want to be an odd front that two-gas people? Great, go get after it. Go to your heart's content till yeah, it spills no, over with joy. I, I, you know what? I like what I'm hearing. I do. I like what I'm hearing in terms of the strategy uh, and scheme to improve the defense. Uh, like I said, it reminds me of what Coach Akina did when he came here uh, in terms of the defensive backfield. Mm-hmm. You've talked he about that. Yeah. Prioritized versatility and coverage which is why you know Ahmad Brooks went from corner to safety. Nathan Vasher was a you know just a damn athlete. They put at safety and ended up playing corner. And Quentin Jammer played both as well. I was the only guy that, that only had the nickel position experience and then played corner. So and that, that helped everybody because there were no matchup disadvantages across the board. If you mm-hmm. wanted to try, if you wanted to line up one of our safeties. Go ahead, because Ahmad Brooks and Nathan Vash could cover well as anybody on our team. They were yeah. cornerbacks. I, I, I think he I, yeah. wants some of that. That's why he can play man-to-man. Now, he wants to add another guy in the box, and it's, it's talk about just simple football theory here. All right, so if he's if, if their goal is to play man-to-man, which Nick Saban said is the greatest coverage defense that you can play. All right, it's the greatest coverage defense. It's the best way to stop RPOs. Cat covers. Straight up, right, if you can do it. He said the problem is everybody can't play man coverage. All right, they just can't do it. You don't have the athletes to be able to do it across the board. But Texas is actually one of the institutions that should be able to do that. So if you, they want to play more man, and they're doing that, and they want to be able to play more single high man, all right, not too high man. So the they want to play middle field, what they call middle field closed, which is one single deep safety. All right, when the middle field is open, that means you got two deep safeties, hence the middle of the field is open, right, mm-hmm. two deep safeties. So they want to play middle field closed with one uh, one single high safety, and that's great, put the extra guy in the box. The The problem with that is for, for Texas is that last year a lot of the explosive plays they gave up, probably 60-plus percent of them, maybe close to 65 percent of them, were when they had a single high safety. I'm talking about run. Or pass, mm-hmm. which means they were really bad at rotating those safeties. That Even rotation if they was had terrible. The number advantage they were losing. They were stuff. losing it because so the rotation pointless. exactly rotation was either bad when they would go uh, to the single high too late, or when that guy with the extra body was in the defender, the extra defender was in the box, he wouldn't make the play. It's like that's bad a lot of play. basketball. Yeah, or if you have to be tight on bad a string. Angle, yeah, that's why. That's why I always said at times it seemed like the coverage in the front did not match up. They, yeah. they the latter rod is what I noticed a lot that the rotation was just too late. It's almost like after the snap you're yeah. rotating. I'm like, 
What are you doing? Yeah. They, they already had, sometimes you would watch it. Go watch like the Baylor game where they're running the outside zone and Texas is rotating and they're rotating their safeties mm-hmm. to go to single high and the safety that's coming down is coming down on the opposite side that they're running the, the ball to. Mm-hmm. And it's just like he just walked himself right out of the play. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. If you're going to rotate that safety down, then you got to shift the front. Yeah. yeah. Shift they the front to over to the other side where they're running the, the wide zone. That way you're a little bit more you balanced on the front. You pivot your defense. And that's what I'm saying. Exactly. That's why sometimes the front and the coverage does not make a lot of sense. If, you, if you're fortunate enough to get like – and then a Longhorn Network will show it. They won't show you the all-22, but they'll show you the press box view, but they'll pull it back to where you mm-hmm. can see the full mm-hmm. field view. When you see a real – watch it on Sundays when you watch an NFL oh, yeah. game. Sometimes when you see a really good rotation – it's almost like rotating puzzle pieces. and like, okay, I'm just going to move my puzzle this way, but everything's going to fit. Per- yep. If the rotation's unright, those puzzle pieces should fit perfectly. Yeah, yeah and whenever you it's go and look, because in I football, like, like you said, you don't get that full picture, but everybody's watched the NBA and watched basketball, and the idea of like when Rudy Joe Bear's in at center, the whole defense is being focused to funnel the guy to him. But in the modern spread, when you hmm. spread him out to the three-point corner, then he has so much more room to come over to cut it off. And whenever they say have the same problem in the playoffs, it's point because about the, final. the spread, yes. and that's what the same idea is when you're trying to fill these holes with football and stuff. And it's just when you spread the offense out enough, you can get those alleys, and it's what the air raid did to modern yeah. defenses all it, the time. That's why we need a safety that can run the alley. Yes, exactly. And the safeties don't run the alley really well. And that's yeah. another thing, too, after mm-hmm. the rotation. It's, and it's, that's where if you have a great one, he can make up all that ground, though, oh, yeah, vice exactly. versa. Exactly. And that's what you do with he covers Rudy up all Joe Bear covers up all the perimeter exactly. mistakes. It lets to you gamble to Sarge, and do everything else. point about Aaron great Donald. That's exactly right. Yeah, man. If, I, if I've got Ed Reed as my middle field safety, I don't care if he's late on a rotation because I, I trust him that he knows what he's doing. And you know why he brought up Aaron Donald? because the Rams play 70% of the time, I believe, they start and, and stay in there. It's like 65, 70% of the time stop, start and stay in there too high shell. Mm-hmm. Why? We're going to get Aaron Donald up there. Yep. So he's going to get home in they, two and a half seconds. Like, they can have a light box every play, which means the offense has more blockers than the, the defense has defenders in the box. And it doesn't matter because Aaron Donald takes up three of your blockers. Yep. Take three of your blocks and stop that guy. If you let him go one on one, it doesn't matter if we got a light box because he's gonna blow up the whole damn play. Yeah. yeah. So that's Aaron, why Aaron Donald always comes to mind there. Hey, exactly. Michael Parsons gonna be like that pretty soon too. And that's the point. And I went and pulled all the different numbers for Texas's opposing quarterbacks and their time to throw against the Texas oh, defense and accumulated it across the board. It ended up being two point seven nine seconds that the opponents for all teams Texas faced. And when you look at the majority of them, they actually didn't get home fast enough. So you not only gave them the luxury that they could get the ball out quick, but they also could sit back because the pass rush wasn't home if needed because it didn't correlate necessarily. You had people like Jefferson and Constantine for Arkansas and Rice getting it out a full half second earlier than they normally do because guys are running wide open. But then Mm. later on in the season, across the board, you had teams that were holding on to the ball longer than it. Well, what's West Virginia? Do you have West Virginia? Because remember West Virginia, those third and longs? They converted like six third and longs. Some third and double digits. Deggy was getting rid of the ball in 2.7 seconds. He was getting rid of fast, and Mm. he averaged 2.77. So he was able to get it off quicker than normal, and then – Looks like Will Howard the next week was right at a tenth of a second. But, yeah, once you got into conference plays, then I think defenses realized we don't have to just get it out in 2.39 seconds like Jefferson did or 2.04 seconds the way Constantine did. These guys aren't covering out there, and the press rush, and the press press rush isn't getting, getting home. So don't hurt yourself and find the guy that's open. Some great numbers, and it and it goes to what Sark said. I heard Deshaun Jameson talk about this, how they want to play more bump and run. And Sarkis said, I want you to get up in their faces. Why they won't Ryan watch big long mm-hmm. corner? Because I want you to be able to reroute the wide receivers, get your hands on them. And that's probably going back to maybe they're looking at those stats yep. saying, listen, man, they, the guys are getting rid of the ball way too quick. Even if our pass rush is effective, I yep. don't know if it's going to get there in time. Exactly. So we got to at least make them hold on to the ball quick or take away the opposing quick game. Yep. To your point, what you talked about earlier, kind of remaking the secondary. And I talked to Anthony Cook about this yesterday. I asked him about this. And he, you know, because one thing we've heard about in camp, turnovers are going up. Yeah. I asked Anthony Cook, he said, the more man coverage we play, he said it makes us more naturally aggressive. And then I'll get to that in a second. But I agree with that. To your point, Rod, with Ryan Watts, Deshaun Jameson, if you're just talking about a base nickel package, Ryan Watts, Deshaun Jameson, Jade Barron to start. And Anthony Cook did say that was a staff point. They wanted that star position. They decided they want to leave more coverage than box defender. I agree. With the star. Yeah. Good move. Watts, Jameson, Barron, Cook, Jaron Thompson. 
if you're in a base nickel, those, all five of those guys can cover. They all can cover. Nobody's at a nobody's a liability. Exactly, and you had coverage liabilities <laughs> in many Honestly, places. On the I, back listen, end. I love him, but Deshaun Jameson was a coverage liability last yeah. year. Oh no, yeah, he, was he just was by far the worst. First man, it was NFL oh, passer rating was, of 129. Was, oh yeah, it was yeah. bad. He, he regressed. So he, but I think everybody assumes he'll be better, and he's the best ball hog in that secondary right yeah. now. Yeah, but I think too. The aggression playing man in my coverage. And maybe I'm just simplifying it too much. I always try to find the simplest mm-hmm. explanation for some of these things. Maybe I'm simplifying it too much. But I think, Rod, a lot of these guys, now they come up on the camp circuit. And when you go to camps, you want to you wanna play one-on-one. You want to play tight man coverage. You want to show your skills. I think these kids are more comfortable playing man-to-man coverage in a lot of cases than they are zone because that's what they came up doing. On their mm-hmm. high school team, they probably were. Maybe they were playing split coverage. It's like, you know what? Uh, at, at Houston Lamar, yeah, Anthony Cook is my best corner. I'm going to have him just shadow that guy one-on-one. You play man coverage the whole game. Yeah. So I just think guys are just more naturally comfortable playing man coverage. Well, yeah, if, man if you, coverage is making a comeback. Uh, the RPO is forcing it to make a comeback, actually, because it's the only way to stop RPOs. The only way to truly stop an RPO is just be man up a guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Other than that, RPO is probably going to get you. And just to get the numbers out before the season starts, last year in man coverage, the guy who ran it the most for Texas percentage-wise, 17% of coverage, was Jade Barian and was great at uh, allowing just a passer rating of 58 on NFL passer rating. That's elite. Versus zone, 48 was the NFL passer rating. That was on 63% of his coverage snaps. Now Anthony Cook was second most man coverage, 12%, and he was a 91 passer rating, which is above average. Jamison was the one guy, it was 129 passer rating. NFL rating goes up to 158. Now, even in zone, Jamison was just 111. So, by mm. far, of the returning guys was worse. And across the board, uh, Anthony yeah. Cook was 100 passer rating in zone. So, he was better in man, like y'all were saying. Yeah. All right, real quick, ULM prep. Texas should win this game. What's the spread? 37 and a half. 37 and a half. Texas should, I'll take Texas to cover. Really? ULM's bad. They're that bad, huh? They're bad. Yeah, I know they're bad. But, yeah, I mean, it's a big number. It it's is. a big number. If the, de- if the defense does their job, they'll cover. If the defense doesn't do their job, they do return some- like eight starters on offense. Now, the offense is terrible. It's bad. But they, I mean, and that quarterback is. He's a guy that can. He's a dual threat that can make some plays. I, I'm with you. I don't see them scoring. Fifty percent chance of rain on Saturday. Hmm. That actually. Would and help I know. I know. Sark's gonna take out Bijan and like Rojo and the starters before Once Alabama. Texas gets up 24, 20. He'll let points. he'll let Quinn continue to rip it though. He might let Quinn he needs go, to. and so he's gonna take out those guys. But Texas backup running backs can go. Yo, yeah, like Brooks if, John, if you tell me Jonathan Brooks is going to get a 15 carry game, then cool. I was, Sign I was like, they still going to be able to move the ball. Mm. So I and your and your young offensive lineman that you're going to play, they're young, but they're talented. Yeah, I mean, I get, yeah, it's just not going to be a good test for Texas. No. Texas should dominate this game. Texas spring game should be. It honestly should look like the spring game in terms of the strategy and and the uh, the personnel packages and how vanilla the looks are because you're not going to reveal much because you don't have to no. to beat ULM. Truth is, you see better players on the third string of Texas. Oh, if there was a depth chart. Uh, <laughs> you'd see a better players on Texas' third string that these guys are going to play uh, out there on Saturday. So Texas should dominate them. Uh, respect yeah. the opponent, but also respect the game. Don't play with your food. Just do what you need to do and get out of there healthy and get ready for Bama. They were like 125th in pass defense. They were bad. Uh, I looked at uh, 125th. I looked PFF in terms of PFF grades and overall, it gives an overall team grade. Uh, based on offense, defense, all the metrics they measure, ULM was the third worst team in FBS last year. Just overall, everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty bad. They, I love their uh, their best player though. Is has a cool name, Boogie Knight. Boogie Knight. Yeah, right. yeah he transfer. Said, yeah, he's, <laughs> that's a, he has a cool. Name. I like and Boogie a, Knight with the K. He's their leading receiver, but uh, Texas should never problem. He's also a leading punt returner, kickoff returner. Honestly, that's the guy you should try to single out and take away. You take him away. Honestly, that's yep. a lot of the offense. Yeah, Bill Connolly has. One seventeen on offense and one twenty eight on defense. Yeah, yeah, I robbed their bed. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, you're right. This is about Texas. This is a, a a man in the mirror matchup, if you will. This is about Texas and like what I the said, standard is. Respect the opponent, but respect the game too. Uh, so you got them covering. What's I'll, our I'll score prediction here then? Uh, he says Texas offense is explosive. I like that when they ask Sark what's the Texas. What, what do you know about the team that? You know they will be able to do well. He said we're going to be explosive on offense. At thirty-seven, like that. that's what we all thought. Thirty-seven and a half, forty-eight ten. 
Yeah, that's right it's about right on what money. I'm thinking. Right on the money. Yeah, that's right where Vegas has them. I'm gonna say yeah. ten. I'm gonna say they don't cover the number, maybe. Yeah, the old backdoor cover. Well, uh, like a little third. Like, maybe by thirty-five. Maybe okay. like thirty-seven and a half. Yeah. Forty-five ten. Exactly. Somewhere <laughs> around there. I just, yeah. I, I'm not saying they're going to blow them out. It's still be an old Testament style. I'm with Matt, though. If we're talking about this defense giving up more than like yeah. 10 to 13 points. If they that, score more than 10 points, then you should be worried about the defense. Yeah, if they score more than 14, Texas doesn't cover. If they score less than 14, Texas covers. I like that. There it is. All right, Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod, be appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. From- okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 104.9-101.9-AM-1260. Streaming on the Horn app at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod B and Mike Hards each and every weekday on Ball Don't Lie from 3 to 7. Shameless plug. You can, you can also get myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, get all of our archives. Our classic interviews and shows are available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Don't forget to search Horns 24-7 anywhere you get your podcast. That's Horns 247, no dashes, no slashes, no spaces. Click that follow button. Get every episode of Longhorn Blitz when it drops on Tuesdays. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. And we will catch you again on the next episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.